0: God of light, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture reading comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew. Um, It is the first book in the New Testament. And how many of you actually opened up Matthew and looked at the very first part? Philip has. Pastor Amy, some of you have. Well, the first part of chapter one begins with Jesus's genealogy. Now, when we read genealogies, at least in the Old Testament, it's showing generation from generation and is the transition in the narrative of God's salvific work, meaning that there is a movement in the story that's going to teach us something different about how God is working in the world and through us. And it's a lot of names. And some one of these days I may actually offer that to you, but today is not that day, right? So instead, we're going to read, starting with verse 18. And this is the narrative about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. I'll be reading 18 through 25. Hear now these words from the gospel according to Matthew. her, Mary, to be as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the living word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. So remember how I mentioned the genealogy just a little bit ago? So, in verse 15, more particularly 16, as they're listing all of the lineage, it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born and who was called the Messiah. So this actually is written in text before we hear this narrative about Joseph, right? Why does that matter? Because we know the lineage of Jesus is tied to very unexpected individuals. All of the genealogies in the Old Testament are basically telling about the sons and the fathers, usually generation, 14 generations or so. Very rarely do you actually hear the names of women listed in the genealogy and to list the name of Joseph as the father, which then makes us wonder, how does that work, right? Because when we think about Jesus and the father of Jesus, who do we think about? God, right? Because we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the Son of God, So we often think about the earthly or the heavenly father of God. And yet Jesus needed an earthly father, and that earthly father was Joseph. A man who was going to raise him in the trade, to instruct him, to follow the religious practices of the day. It is Joseph, and we will hear later tonight, that it is Joseph's family lineage to which they would be registered because Mary had already been betrothed to Joseph to be his wife. And I want to pause there because there is something about the marriage covenant that we need to remember Particularly in that time, it was a contract, a business arrangement, right? That basically the women would have no power or authority or privileges or financial means. And they would often, if a family had daughters, they would look to marry the daughters off to men who would be able to care for them. Like, we know this. It's not the same for us when we say, let's get married because I love you. It's a very different context. It would have been a business arrangement. And there would have been something about Mary that in that marriage covenant, there would have been the promise that she would have been a virgin. That she would have been, you know, completely whole as a person and that would have been part of the marriage contract and then joseph hears the news that what she is expecting a baby now i know i don't really like to talk about things like that but we all know you know that babies come from certain eighth particular way right how awkward is it for me to even talk about this And that is how we understand it, right? And yet in the case of Mary, that was not the case. We already know from last week in the hearing of Scripture that Mary is visited by an angel who says she is going to bear the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and in her womb be the Savior of the world. And she was like, how is this going to happen? and then she acknowledges with joy. She accepts that role and responsibility with the level of maturity that we can only hope to achieve in our lifetime. And she goes and she spends a certain amount of time with her cousin Elizabeth that they could share in the joys and the struggles and the all the things as it relates to pregnancy. And in that time, Joseph hears the news that Mary is expecting a child. In the custom, in that age, that would have been grounds for breaking the marital covenant, for breaking the marital contract. And the ramifications and the consequences were pretty dire, that there would be public shaming and outcasting because of that. And yet Joseph had a different character about him that his response was not to do it publicly so as to bring shame upon her, rather to do it privately and to end that. So he had made that decision because for him to then accept Mary in her her pregnant condition would have brought shame upon him as well. Because he would have had to explain, how did this happen to all of those that he would have known? And so he resolved this. And I'm sure it was probably not an easy decision for him. How do I move forward with this? And then he had a dream. Right? And in his dream, he hears the message of angel. And remember that angels were messengers of God who were proclaiming things so that they may hear what God had hoped for them. And the angel says, do not be afraid. Take Mary to be your wife. She's going to bear a son and you're going to name him Jesus. That dream, obviously, was so substantial and impactful that when he awoke the next morning, his mind had been changed. And he did take Mary to be his wife and followed through with his marital contract. But not only that, took on the role as the earthly father of Jesus to take care of him, to raise him, to take him to the temple for his naming at the eighth day, to turn him over to God in public and to name him Jesus. And then when things were rough, what does Joseph do? He takes his new wife and new baby and flee the country because he is also going to protect the son of God. Joseph also gives us an example of amazing courage and very difficult circumstances. He could have moved on, but he didn't. He chose a path, the life of protecting Mary and the Son of God in a way that would challenge him moving forward. We know this. And yet he did it. Why? Because God asked that of him. And as a faithful man, Joseph did what was asked of him. And in that, he shows and demonstrates a level of love, as Miss Kathy talked about a little bit earlier. Not the, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with you, we should get married. You know, that kind of love. But more that deep-rooted love, agape love of servanthood. Of serving and caring for someone else. In the season of Advent, we are also challenged to think about those places where we may be in difficult circumstances, where we may need to make difficult choices that pushes us to be courageous, to step outside of our comfort zones, to go the path not of least resistance, but the path, that has been laid before us by God. A path that has been made clear through the life of Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of Mary. Later tonight, we will hear the story, the story that we need to hear every day, and yet this morning we sit in a place of being asked to be courageous, to show our love into a world that right now, to be real honest with you, is incredibly broken. So many places of hurt and need and destruction that we're questioning where is the hope in this and our hope is found in Christ Jesus. And it is Jesus who gives us the courage to respond with the love of God in all of the places. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.